Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 in the morning, which is Pacific time. Mountain time is 7.40. Texas time is 8.40. And Michigan and East Coast time is 9.40. Absolutely thrilled to have you along with us this morning. Really do appreciate you being here. For those of you that don't know who I am, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon. And I come to you with an education background, but a huge interest in both health, nutrition, and exercise that's been ongoing in my life since I was in high school, which has been a long time ago now. With that being said, these calls, if you ever miss any of these calls, you can pick them up on SoundCloud. That's spelled S-O-U-N-D-C-L-O-U-D. Put in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and T-R-90, and these calls will pop up, and they're now archived back more than nine years. Also, if you get your podcast through a different app or service, if you put in Frank Lomas, and TR90, or Solutions, the digit for anti-aging, these calls could well pop up for you as well. And I know the last several months, we, about the last six months or so, we've actually been doing the host name, the topic of the call, and as well as the date. But there's a lot of really great information that's been shared over the last nine plus years and if you get a chance, always great to go back and have a good listen. So that TR90 program, when you are first starting out, is that one really good lean, clean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. If you're a larger person, then you might want to increase either the number of, of grams of protein per meal or at a fourth meal that has 30 grams of protein in it. Seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables. That gets you a lot of your micro and macronutrients as well as fiber, which is really important. Um, if, you, if you tend to juice, realize that you're probably not getting all the fiber benefits that a person really needs because fiber kind of keeps things kind of moving along through your system. Seven to nine hours of rest daily is really optimum. And if you're really struggling and you're not, if you're not sleeping at least seven hours, start by adding an extra 15 minutes um, by going to bed 15 minutes early for several days until you start falling asleep earlier and then move it forward another 15 minutes until you've, you're getting adequate rest. That adequate rest does a lot of things. Your body does a whole bunch of system resets while you're sleeping. Um, it helps some of the systems actually clear out toxins at that time, which is a good reason to make sure you're drinking plenty of fluid. Um, the current thinking is at least one ounce of water for every two pounds that you weigh. So if, for example, you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking a minimum of 50 ounces of water to stay hydrated. That hydration also helps to clear out some of the toxins 
um, replacing bodily fluids. There's a whole gamut of things that that water does. And if you're not at that level, start with wherever you are and slowly build up to where you need to be because it is really important. 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week. That's another key component to this program. Um, If you're plateauing out, check the sleep, check the uh, exercise, check the food. Um, add, add some extra fruits and vegetables. Make, add an extra five to ten minutes of exercise periodically. Change up your exercise because you're, if you do the same thing all the time, your ba- body will get in the habit of it and then it doesn't use as much energy because it already knows what it's supposed to be doing. So making sure that you are definitely... Um, switching up what you're doing for exercise. Taking your supplements 15 to 20 minutes before a meal is optimum. If you're not able to do that, do take the supplements with your meals. Uh, I found that at least during the midday meal for me, which was the hardest one to gauge since I'm a substitute teacher, was being able to take that midday supplement 15 to 20 minutes before lunch Since I wasn't able to do it, I just took it with my meal so that I would not forget. So I packed it in with my lunch bag, and that worked for me. Um, But if if at all possible, it's better to have it in your system 15 to 20 minutes before you start eating because that gives your body a chance to break it down, and then it's in your system ready and waiting for the food that's coming. With that being said, I'm always looking for additional information to share with you about that would help support that TO90 lifestyle since this is a lifestyle change. And today I'm sharing some information out of a book that's called Fat Chance, Beating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. It was written by Robert H. Lustig. Lustig is spelled L-U-S-T-I-G. MD and MSL, <coughs> and I'm going to pick up where the um, the food companies, what their response is about the high fructose corn syrup. The food industry will counter that there are many reasons to add sucrose or high fructose corn syrup to food and to remove the food's fiber, and some of them are very reasonable, both industrially and economically, but how about biologically? How about in terms of our health? Our tongue is able to distinguish five tastes, sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and savory. Sugar covers up the other four. It usually covers up salty, as in trail mix and honey roasted peanuts, sour, the acidity in processed tomato sauce, provided by the less-than-ripe tomatoes or lemonade, bitter milk chocolate, and savory sweet-and-sour pork. Think, think sweet-and-sour pork is a savory thing. Sugar covers up the inequities of food, making not-so-tasty food seem like it is worth eating. Bottom line, you may make pretty much 
You can make pretty much anything taste good with enough sugar, and the food industry does. The browning of foods is appealing to your eye and to your taste buds. We slather our ribs in barbecue sauce before we cook or grill them to get the just right browning effect. All foods brown better with sugar, and the browning of meats provides a smokier, tangier flavor. The browning of food is the Maillard reaction while appealing on the plate and the palate not so appealing in your arteries. Baked goods wouldn't be nearly as interesting without sugar. Try to make a cake with Splenda. It will taste just as sweet, but it won't pop up. In baked bread, the yeast needs something to work with, to work on to give it its airiness. Conversely, wafer cooked crackers wouldn't be crisp if it weren't for sugar, and sugar provides viscosity or thickness to various foods, such as gummy bears, and sugar also provides the, quote, glass, unquote, appearance and crunch of hard candies. Furthermore, sugar lowers food's freezing point, which is essential for ice cream to have that creamy consistency, and raises their boiling point, which makes caramels chewy. Sugar reduces water activity or the intensity with which water associates with solids. The higher the water activity, the more easily bacteria and mold grow on food. And easily moldy food means quicker spoilage. But sugar, and salt for that matter, reduces the water activity and makes it less likely that any given food will be able to spoil. This is why the food industry uses sugar as a preservative. When was the last time you tasted a rancid soft drink? Flat, maybe, but never rancid. Nothing can grow in that bottle, or can. And the addition of sugar to a food also adds humectancy, which is the ability to hold on to water. This is extremely important for preventing your favorite treats from going stale, particularly your baked goods. One way to gauge the effect of sugar on humectancy is the staling bread. How long does a loaf of bread purchased at your local bakery take to go stale? About two days. How long does a loaf of commercial bread purchased at the supermarket take to go stale? About two to three weeks. This works for the consumer because it retards spoilage and reduces waste. The food industry and the supermarket associations are happy because it reduces depreciation, thereby increasing profits. I checked with my local supermarket. Of the 32 commercially available breads there, 31 were made with the high fructose corn syrup added for both browning and humectancy. What were they lacking? Fiber. Currently, the median U.S. fiber consumption is 12 grams per day, and this is on purpose. The food industry removes fiber from food because fiber limits shelf life. The bread devoid of fiber is going to last far longer in your pantry than if you buy it fresh at the farmer's market. The food industry capitalizes on this reduced 
Depreciation means reduced cost, which means increased sales. What's the definition of fast food? It's fiberless food because you can't freeze fiber and expect to maintain the same texture. Fiberless food can be frozen, shipped globally, and cooked quickly. But getting rid of fiber has obviated satiety and exasperated the negative impact of the carbohydrates. So there you are. Lots of reasons to add sugar and remove fiber. Good for the visual presentation, good for the palate, good for the pocketbook, good for the industry, but bad for your health. Let's take a generic cookie as an example. 30% flour, 30% fat, and 30% sugar, and about 6% protein. This is the ultimate concoction of fat and carbohydrate possible in one food item. The sweetness has more salience or appeal when you add fat, which, which would you rather eat? A pixie stick or a Cinnabon? One cookie is a treat, but that you can't eat just one because sugar is addictive. And sugar plus fat is even more so. Our caloric overload generated specifically by added sugar proves it. The food industry says that they do not understand what all the fuss is about. Sugar has been around for millennia. Sugar is a source of energy. Sugar is a quote-unquote natural part of our diet. But irrelevant, irrelevant in terms of our health. Here are some examples of the claims the food industry or their ambassadors have used to persuade the public that the addition of added sugar to food or drinks is an Amer as American as apple pie with extra high fructose corn syrup. And I think we'll probably start getting into that probably tomorrow because we've reached the end of our time. So we will be discussing some of the arguments next week. I'm going to take us off mute so we can say goodbye to each other at the top of the hour. If you want to scoot over to Facebook, One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing how to build a new skin business if that's something you're interested in. Tomorrow we'll have Victoria sharing one of her wonderful uh, meditations to help get our weekend off on the right foot. With that, this is Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon signing out for December 29th, 2021. And I hope you all have a great day. So there we have it. Why the food industry is supplying us with all kinds of interesting facts. Great Scott. <laughs> I know. It, it's just amazing. Thank you, Susan. I jumped on a little bit late. I got out from, uh, on my walk, and we started late, so I popped on towards the end. But I'm here. Okay. I'm thrilled that you were able to join us. And, you know, it's it, this has been very fascinating as to why the, the food industry is justifying the high fructose corn syrup being an additive for many of our foods. 
And we know that we need fiber, and 12 grams of fiber is not going to cut it. <laughs> well, with that being said, I'm going to scoot off and hope that you guys all have a great day, and we'll see you back here tomorrow for Victoria. Okie dokie. Have a great day, everybody. You too.